Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. In Joshua chapter 15 and in verse 18, it says, When Asker married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb, that's her dad, asked her, What's the matter? She said, give me another gift. You have already given me land in the Negev. Now, please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. There are three characters in our story. And the first character, many people would know, his name is Caleb. Caleb and Joshua are the only two of three million Israelites who were allowed by God in their generation to cross the Jordan River and to go in and conquer the promised land. Joshua was given by God because of his unrelenting belief in the greatness of God and his ability to be at work within his people, a mountain that was known as the mountain of Hebron. He walks up to Joshua after they've gone into the promised land, and he says, Joshua, give me my mountain. Now listen, every person needs to know that when Joshua was saying, give me my mountain, he wasn't saying, would you send the warriors and have them take it for me? Would you give me a handout? Would I, you know, somebody else do all the work? Caleb was just asking for permission. He was asking for a release to go and take that which was rightfully His. Every believer needs to know in this room that if God's given you a promise that is rightfully yours, He's not going to drop it necessarily into your lap. But if you would get busy taking your mountain, then you would find that what God has promised for you, He will deliver to you. If you believe that, give me a little amen. Joshua goes out to take his mountain, and as he's on his journey, he reaches Hebron, and he says, whoever takes this town for me, if you will take the town in battle, any brave warrior that takes this town, I'm going to give him my daughter's hand in marriage. And one brave warrior, whose name is Othniel, is like, oh my gosh, look at this chick. She is amazing. Hubba hubba ding ding, look at the legs on that little thing. He goes out and puts his life on the line to win the prize, takes the town of Hebron, and so Caleb gives him his daughter, Axa, as a gift for taking the town. Let's just gloss over that and keep going, all right? Some things are cultural, time relevant. We don't do this today. We'll just keep going. At their wedding service, Caleb gives to Axa and Othniel, his new son-in-law, a field as a wedding gift. They go away on their honeymoon, and as they're returning, now, you know, just put this in context, you know, when you get married, the most awkward conversation you have after you get married is your first chat with your now father-in-law. We're just going to leave that one there and keep on going. But let's just say that's the conversation that Caleb is about to have. As they're getting back from their honeymoon, and he's on his way to meet his father-in-law with his daughter, who's now his wife, 
as they were reaching the family home, Axa starts nudging her husband. And she's like, hey, when we get there, I want you to ask dad if he'll give us some springs of water. We've already got this field, but you know, if we could get this other place over here that's got these springs of water in it, then hubby, we're going to be set up for life. And Othniel is like, no way, I'm not making my first conversation with your dad a request for something else. He gave me his daughter. He gave me a field. I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to say anything. Axa is like, hey, ask him. Go on, ask him. No, yes, no. Yes, and the Bible says that they are in the middle of a full-blown domestic when they arrive at daddy's house. Now listen, any new husbands out there, here's a little lesson for you. Never argue with your wife in front of your father-in-law. That is just never gonna go well for you, okay? He loves his princess. He might one day like you. Probably when you buy her a nice home and give him grandchildren. Until then, you've got a massive question mark over your head. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. As, he, as he's approaching the family home, they have a little domestic. And as they rock up at the house, there is Caleb, notices his princess is not looking that happy. And he says, what's wrong? What's wrong, my sweetheart? What is the matter? And Axa says to her father, she says, well, dad, you've already given me a field, but I'm asking you for something more. Would you give me springs of water too? She's already been blessed. She's already been benefited. She's already doing well in life. But when she gets to her father, she says, I've already been given something, but I'm asking you, for something more. My friends, when I read this passage of Scripture and my devotions at the beginning of this year, it struck me that here we have a woman displaying a spirit that I believe God is looking for from every single one of us. God doesn't want us coming to Him without desire. He is not looking for Christians that are just gonna go through motions. He doesn't want you sitting back and accepting your lot in life. He doesn't have a plan for you that you would just remain silent. God is looking for a believer, for a Christian to display the same character that we see in Axa who rocks up to her father and just says, you've already blessed me, but I'm asking for more. Is there anybody in this room tonight who says you've already been blessed by God but it's time to ask for more. Somehow along the way, I reckon we as believers have fallen into a trap that we should in our Christian faith just kind of never bring to God our requests. Somehow we as Christians have kind of thought that it's not godly when your mouth is always filled with more ask of God that we should perhaps just do what our Kiwi culture tells us to do, sit down and shut up. Oh, there's this Christian thought that you and I as believers should be content with what we have and not ask God for more. And the reality is, friends, that that thought is half truth and half deceit. We should be content with what we have. Our God has blessed our lives abundantly. Anybody believe that? We should be content with what we have, thankful for what we have, but we should never stop asking for more.
We should take every, every step in our journey, every piece of God's favor. We should take every blessing that God has already given to us, and then we should translate that blessing into increased expectation. We shouldn't sit down. We shouldn't, should not shut up. We should come before our God with boldness. And we should start saying, you gave me a field, now give me springs. You gave us a church of 6,000 in attendance, now give us 60,000. You gave us a couple of teenagers, now we're praying for every school in our nation. We've seen open doors on universities, but we're praying for revival in every tertiary institute in this nation. Come on. You gave me salvation, now bless me with a car. You gave me life, now give me a wife. Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking about, people. God is looking, God is looking for people that are gonna present and ask of Him. Oh, my friends, if there is an overwhelming theme of our Bible, it is that God absolutely wants you and I to ask. Check out James chapter four, verse two. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and carve it, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Let me bring it all to summary, he says. You do not have because you do not what? And he's talking there about God. You do not have because you don't ask God. Luke chapter 11, verse nine. Ask and keep on and it shall be given you. Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. Your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who what? Not those who need them. Not those who think about them. Not those who deserve them. Not those who require them. Your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who? John chapter 16, verse 24. Starts off with that word. Shout it out with me. And you will receive that your joy may be what? Complete. God doesn't want to make you miserable. He doesn't want you living half-mast. He doesn't have an average home for you to live in. He doesn't have a small dream that is gonna just live in. He doesn't, he doesn't, have, a, he doesn't have a fail mark against your assignment. God doesn't have defeat ahead of you. He doesn't want sickness in your body. He wants your joy to be complete, your life to be abundant. He wants your prayers to be answered. God is looking for somebody that's gonna be willing to it struck me when I read this passage of Scripture that it is just so easy to find a Christian like Othniel, a brave warrior willing to take a stand for God, a, a, a Christian, tenacious of spirit, willing to say, I believe in my Jesus. Othniel was a brave warrior who would risk his life to take a town, yet when he was given the opportunity, he was afraid to ask and I believe that God is wanting you and I to change all of that. God is looking for a new generation of Christian that says, I'll stand for you, Jesus. I'll go anywhere you call me to go. And I am not sitting back on my laurel and accepting the limits of life. I'm believing for favor on the left and favor on the right. Open doors in front of me. Your spirit to be poured out over my life. God is looking for somebody that's gonna ask, we must, we must align our courage before the challenges of life. 
with our boldness before the throne of God. We can't just say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to flinch when you confront my faith or challenge my family. I'm also going to come before my God and display the same boldness as I had courage. The Bible doesn't say that you and I should come before God timidly, afraid, doubting, thinking that His judgment is hanging over us, that Daddy's angry with his kids. The Bible says that we should approach the throne of grace with boldness. Whenever you've got a need, come before God. I believe God's looking for somebody that will ask. Ask. Shout it. We call humility, humility timidity. We call timidity humility. We call timidity humility and reward as godly what is not honoring of Him at all. We think that it's okay just to be weak, just to sit back, just to kind of like be reluctant. But you know what? I believe God is looking for a generation that are gonna have courage before God. God's looking for an Elisha generation that are gonna go, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? I'm believing for so much more. I'm believing God's looking for a generation of believers that are gonna put an ask in front of Him, a crazy ask. We got Joshua. The Bible says about Joshua that the Jordan River split in two and Israel crossed over. The walls of Jericho, they raced chariots around them. But when he asked, those walls came down. Then they took the town of Ai. And then Joshua, he doesn't go, well, God, you've already taken me this far, so I should never ask anything of you again. The Bible says exactly the opposite about Joshua. It says one day he's in battle and he doesn't doesn't have enough daylight to kill as many of his enemies as he'd like to. So Joshua just looks up to God and he says, God, would you cause the sun to stand still until I've killed every enemy that I can? And the Bible says that define the laws of gravity, define the laws of tides against every natural law in the universe. God made the sun stand still as the longest day on earth took place and Joshua defeated his enemies for God a great victory. You don't have to sit back. You don't have to shut up. You don't have to give up with only half your dreams coming true. You don't have to be settling because of what God's already given to you. God is looking for somebody that's just going to say, man, it's time for me to, it's time for me to ask. I remember when Jillian and I moved to Wellington, you know, we had uh, never owned a home. We had a, we had half a, we had a, we had a home buyer's deposit. It was a good deposit. And then we started to rise, you know, there were more bills than there were needs, you know, and so we took half of that deposit and we invested it in getting a rise going. It was just, just a little engine that could was, was what got a rise going in those days, you know. We, we, we kind of like, you know, decided we want to give the biggest gift. We were kind of tough to get there. Jeff and Rochelle Stanway were ridiculously generous in those opening days with their giving as well and sowed a huge seed into getting the church going. And, but it was just, you know, just a couple of people and no money and we're just pouring our lives into this thing. And then, you know, along came my daughter, Lara, and we're like, God, we need a house. We need a house. We need a house. Well, I turned to the scripture in Psalms and it says, even the sparrow has a home, even the swallow a nest where she may raise her young, a place near your altar, O God. And I thought to myself, if God can give a home to a sparrow and a swallow, I think God can give me a home for me. I believe God can give a home 
for me, a place near your altar. And I, I made a list of things that I wanted. I wanted a new home because the first house we lived in in Wellington lost the sun at one o'clock in the afternoon and had no insulation, which basically meant that it was freezing by about half past two. In fact, our first one month, the month of May of 2003, our heating bill was 800 bucks for one month. And we were living off Jillian's teacher's salary. We had to pay it off for months after that. I wanted a home that got sun all day. I wanted a new home with double glazing. I wanted a home that had a view that would look over an outlook. I love to see a view. It just helps me to connect with God. It was like a ridiculous, oh, oh our, our church was filled with university students at that time, and that was it. So I wanted a home that was near the city so that I could be where all the congregation lived. And so I presented before God this list, a home that is near the city, on a hill, new, with double glazing and all day sun. If you know anything about the Wellington home market, you would know that a first home buyer doesn't get a home like that. Well, you know, it was an amazing miracle. We found this house. It was up 52 stairs, but at the top was a brand new home with double glazing, all day sun, a view from it, of course, after 52 stairs, and it was close to the city. And we made an offer, and ridiculously enough, they accepted the offer. I'll never forget the day we moved in. Firstly, I was exhausted after climbing up 52 stairs with every piece of furniture. But then after we got into that home, we put Lara to bed and then I came outside and I stood out the front of that house. I'll never forget it. I looked up, the stars were there. All the, all the concrete from the courtyard was still warm from the sun that had been hitting it until the end of the day. The birds from the native bird sanctuary that were all around where we were living were chirping and singing their nighttime songs. And I was just like, God, I can't believe that you'd give me a house like this. I can't believe that you'd bless my life like this. I can't believe that you'd give me a house like this. It's just beyond my, my dreams. I never thought that I would ever live in a home like this one. Seriously. The whole time Julie and I lived in Auckland, we lived in a house that was literally half the size of the stage I'm standing on. And here I am in this house and I thought, God, I don't know how you've done all this. And as I was thanking God, tears are streaming down my face. And I look up towards heaven, and as clear as I've ever heard God's voice, He spoke to me and He said, if you would ask me, I would give you nations. If you ask me, I would give you nations. You think this house is something, Cameron? You think that this is a big deal for me? I want you to know that I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. I can provide no matter what the need. I've got healing for you. I've got blessing for you. I've got a partner for you. I've got a job for you. I've got energy for you. I've got deliverance for you. I'll open nations for you. Come on, does anybody believe that God can answer when His people are willing to ask? Lift your voice and give Him some praise right now. This is our Jesus. It's time to ask. It's time to ask. It's time to ask. Ask for your high school. Ask for your family to get saved. Ask for open doors. Ask for blessing. Come on. Is anybody ready to ask? God's looking for somebody that's going to ask Him. 
Ask Him. Ask Him. Oh, God. Here we got this amazing girl. And the Bible says about Axa that she was the woman of faith, not the man. The man was afraid, but the woman was bold. She said, you've already given me a spring, but now I'm asking. No, you've already given me a field, but now I'm asking you for a spring. I want more. I want more. I want more. And as I read this passage of Scripture at the beginning of this year, I thought, I am not going to sit back. I'm not going to be silent. I want everything to be blessed. I want our church to live in revival increase. I want multiplication of campuses, souls, leaders, finances, and I want my children to prosper, my wife to know health. I want every part of our world to be blessed. God's saying it's time for somebody in this room to say no to timidity, no to fear. Stand up on your feet. Give God a request. He wants to fill your life with blessing. If you believe it, give Him some praise in this room right now. I'm shake about four people. Tell them, ask, 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 ask. Oh, you've heard the story. But in April of 2002, Jillian and I did our first reconnaissance drive down to Wellington. Came down here, spent the weekend in the city. I'd only been here once or twice, maybe in my life before that. And we were checking out the city. And during the weekend, we caught a taxi out to the Hutt Valley. When we got out to the Hutt Valley, the Holy Spirit just came over me. And I began to, to say to Jillian in the back of the taxi, one day we're going to build a large building here. This will be the place where we'll train people in our Bible college. We're going to release leaders from this site in the Hutt Valley, and they will literally change this nation for Jesus. A new generation of Christian leaders will be emerged here. It'll be a large facility. It's cheaper to build here. And we'll have church in the city and a facility out here. Well, right now, if you drive out to Petoni in the Hutt Valley, you're going to find that building right beside the motorway, right where we were driving when God began to speak. If you believe God's got a vision for you and He means it to come to pass, then praise Him right now. Come on. Well, 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 you know what? We're taking expansion offerings in our church the whole of our journey, and we'd already proven a couple of years ago that we could raise about a million dollars a year, a million dollars a year. We knew we could raise it. I had faith for it. So when we found the land in Petoni, we went to our bank. I don't know where David is, but it's the funniest story because we went to the bank and we said, we need finance because we've got a bit in our building fund and a year's time, we'll have another million. And then over time, we're gonna buy the rest. We're gonna, you know, raise the rest of the money. And we were thinking in 10 years, we'd own the Sarai Center and it would be freehold. Then I flew to South Africa. When I got to South Africa, Art Boschoff was building a five and a half thousand seat auditorium. What does that look like? This is two and a half thousand seats. Okay, so basically take this and more than double it, then add on a two and a half thousand seat overflow capacity by opening movable doors at the back of the auditorium. And you've got this building, state of the art. The whole foyer changes color just by turning a dial, whatever color you want. Massive water feature in the middle, a cafe, a bookstore, a green room that's half the size of this ground floor, the best room I've ever been in in my life. There's a, there's, there's a room that is literally the size of this ground floor that exists for the sole purpose of counseling new Christians. When I preached in the building, in one meeting, 798 people gave their lives to Jesus, and that room was needed for the harvest that was coming in. 
Well, I called Andrew on our board and David and some others, and I said, this is amazing. We have to lift our faith. And as a church, we gave a seed into their building project. I came back and I said, guys, we're gonna raise the money and we're gonna build this, but we're gonna own this land and never have debt on it. We needed to raise $700,000 on the last Sunday of November, right? When everybody's thinking about Christmas. But you know what? It's not the faces of the people we look to. It's the face of our God that we look to. We're not looking to the congregants of Arise to provide. You don't need your principal. You don't need your parents. You need the hand of Almighty God at work within your life. It's not your boss that limits you. It's your Jesus that liberates you. If you believe He's got enough, then praise Him right now. Come on. So we received that offering, long story cut short. We went back to the bank a few weeks after they'd given us finance and said, hey, sorry, thanks for that, but we don't need it. Then we built stage one of the Arise Center. And you know, we went to the bank and said, we need money for stage one. Then we went back to them and said, sorry about that. We don't need it. And it's been an amazing miracle of provision. But I want you to know that all that happened was I had my eyes open to realize that God is not too short. His arm is not too short, that He cannot save. He's got all that we need. He's got an abundance of supply. There's revival for this nation and there's change for your life. Your dreams can and will come to pass. If you believe God's got everything you need, give Him some praise right now. He is wanting you and I to ask, ask, ask. Why is it that we do not have? Answer, because we are reluctant to ask. Question, what's the difference between Asker and Othniel? Answer, how well they knew the father. Aksa had grown up with dad, lived with dad every day. Othniel's still getting to know him. He's afraid of him, sees him at a distance, is worried what he's thinking, questioning whether he's gonna be a, a, a celebratory or whether he's gonna be angry. He doesn't know whether hanging over his life is blessing or judgment. But Axa knew the father intimately. And she's saying, you know what? My dad is in the business of making my dreams come true. He is the God of blessing. He is the father who wants to prosper me. God's looking for a group of people who aren't like Othniel. He's looking for axes in this room. Whether you're a guy or a girl, someone who knows that he is for you and comes before him with boldness. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 19. Check it out on the screen. Oh, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. If you, he will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to your cries if you ask. He will surely respond if you ask. He will surely respond if you ask. He will surely respond. Isaiah, sorry, Psalms chapter 86, verse 5. Oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. If you ask, all who ask. If you ask, all who ask. If you ask, and all who ask. God is literally saying, I just want somebody that's willing to ask. I reckon it's time for you and me. 
that we lift our gaze, that guys, we start to believe for more, that we stop doubting whether God can do it. Look at every other blessing God's ever given you. Look at every piece of God's hand that's been on somebody else's life and then translate that into an increased expectation. If he can do it for them, he can do it for you. If Elijah saw a miracle, then Elisha can see miracles. If you've walked in God's blessing to this point, then get ready because God's got more for you in the days that are to come. God is wanting to take your life higher. I believe there are people in this room that right now in the service are starting to get an increased aspect. There are dreams that you've let diminish and God says lift it up. James, God's gonna give us thousands of teenagers in this city, thousands of teenagers. Not just the opera house for the closing Friday of every term, but for every week of the month, God is looking to pour out His blessing. I'm telling you, He is the God of so much more. Could it be, could it be guys, that these are the days when God does more in His church than He's ever done before? Could you be the generation of revival? Well, I don't believe that this is a nation hard to win for Jesus. I don't think God is against you. And I don't think our culture limits us. I believe that God is on our side, that His arm is powerful, that you're pretty awesome when God is on your life. And I reckon God's looking for somebody that's just going to say, God, I'm willing. I'm starting to ask. Ask Him. Ask Him. Ask Him. Get tenacious. Get tenacious. Get expectant. Lift up our gaze. Lift us higher. What does the psalmist said? He says, Lord, each morning I wake. I present my request to you. And I wait expectingly. When I pray, I believe that you answer me. Ask, ask. Let's not bring God down to a low level that we're living in. Let's lift our ask up to the size of our God. He is great. He is mighty. He is able to answer. How about Elijah when, when it was on Mount Carmel and the Bible says that there was a, a standoff between the prophets of Baal and Elijah the prophet. And you know, the, the prophets of Baal, they're trying everything they can. They spend the whole day in this big crazy dance fest, you know. You've heard of crumping, you've heard of the dab. Well, well, well these guys are like slashing their bodies. Yeah, you like that? Uh, you want one more? You ready for the, you ready for it? You can't handle it, you can't handle it. Are you ready for it? I don't even know if I did that right. I'm just, I'm just trying to, just give me some graffiti art and I'm ready to go, Jeff. You know, God's looking for, <laughs> God is looking for somebody. <laughs> they were like dancing like crazy things, reaching out to the prophets of the, the, reaching out to their God, Baal. People trying all kinds of crazy stuff, looking weird on social media, you know, willing to, willing to take off as much clothing as they can to find a friend, you know what I'm saying? But God doesn't want you slashing your body like a prophet of Baal. He doesn't want you compromising your standards. He doesn't want you diminishing your dreams. I want you to know God's got the right person for you. Got the right opening for you in your job. Got the right future for you. You don't have to back down. You don't have to settle. You don't have to ask for favor from the gods of this world. No. We got Elijah and he's like, you know what? We got the sacrifice. The band can come up. He's like, we got this sacrifice. We're asking for fire to fall on it. But at the moment, 
That seems like it might be just a little bit too easy because it hasn't rained for a little while. So it's like we're going to prove that God answers when you ask Him prayers, ask Him for things. And so He says, let's, let's just pour water on it. So they pour water on the sacrifice. And He goes, you know what? That's just not enough. That's not enough. That's still too easy. Get me some more water. And you've got to understand it's drought. They had to search for the water. Bring it up. They pour it on. That stream's nearly empty, Elijah. Well, go find some more because we need some water. So they go out and they find some more water and they bring it up. Eventually, there was water all over the sacrifice. The wood was wet. The stones were wet. There was a big trench around the altar and it was full of water as well. And then Elijah's like, you know what? Conditions are perfect. He reached up his face towards God and he said, God, I'm asking that the God, that the God who is real, that the God who is on my side, that the God whose power is available would answer me. Would you pour out your spirit, rain down your fire? Well, the Bible doesn't just say that there was a little spark that started. It says flames came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the water. There was just a burnt mark on the ground where an altar had once been. God is not limited. God is not unable. He's not, he's not small. He doesn't need favorable circumstances. We're not looking to the size of the circumstance. We're looking to the power of our God. God's looking for somebody that's willing to ask, 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 ask. It's in every page of the Bible. Jabez, Jabez's name means pain. Yet the Bible says that he came to God and he said, oh, that you would bless me. Expand my territory. Be with me in all I do and keep me free from trouble and pain. His name means pain. I don't know what somebody's spoken over your life. What you felt is your destiny. What you felt is the label maybe people have put over you. But I want you to know you can reverse the curse. You can change what people have said. You're not a loser, you're, not, you're a winner. You're not defeated, you're victorious. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're not beneath, you're above. You're not left out, you're included. You are the center of God's plan, the one that He has chosen. His favor is over your life. Ask, 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 ask. Oh man, just check these verses out. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse three. It says, if you would ask me, I would show you great and mighty things, remarkable secrets that you know nothing about. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Ask and keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Did you know that 11 times Jesus spoke in passages of Scripture about forgiveness? But did you know that 14 passages of Scripture, I'm including one time where Jesus said that you should ask and you should never stop asking. And then He told two parables to back up what He said, and I've made it one passage. 14 times in four books, Jesus said, I'm looking for somebody that is gonna ask. Your Father knows how to give good gifts to those who ask. If the unjust judge will open his door and give you bread, then your Father in heaven is gonna give you good gifts. Ask, 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 ask. Come before Him with boldness. 
come before Him with desire. God is looking for somebody that's just going to be willing. Matthew 18, 19, I tell you if two or three of you agree concerning anything that you ask, my Father in heaven will give it to you. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. We have confidence that when we ask Him for anything, He that, 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 that pleases Him. And since He hears us, we know that when we make our requests, we also, that He will give what we ask for. Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him who is able to do. Do you believe that He's able to do? He is able to do immeasurably more. Someone shout more. Immeasurably what? Then all. Someone shout all. We what? He's able to do immeasurably more than all we want or imagine. God's not small. He is not small. Let's trade in our little Jesus who gives you a tingle when you've got a nightmare and let's turn him into the kind of Jesus who holds the universe in the palm of his hands who can blow away His people with His goodness, with His favor. The God is going to save your family, move in your school, redeem your future, break that addiction, open up the doors over your horizon. If you believe He's got blessing for you, could you stand to your feet and give Him a big shout of praise in this place tonight? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.